live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 7. This is your host, Blake. The 2022 MLS season is just eight days away, and what a crazy offseason it has been. Teams league-wide splashed some cash as they set their sights on MLS glory. Toronto signed Insigne. The Galaxy went out and signed Douglas Costa. Chicago inked the deal with Shakiri. Over 70 intra-MLS trades went down this offseason, four of which are among the most expensive in league history. Jesus Ferreira became the first player in league history to go from homegrown to DP. The landscape of MLS has changed so much in these past two months, and I need some help breaking it all down. On today's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by the man, the myth, the mustache, the Fabrizio Romano of MLS, the man behind all the news that breaks league-wide, Tom Bogert. Tommy Scoops, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Blake, thank you for having me. That intro is very kind. Uh, I want anybody listening to kind of bring the, bring the expectation level down because I'm, I'm not going to live up to that right there. I forgot to add that you're an indoor soccer champion in your intro. <laughs> there you go. That, that, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing tonight or today? I never record during the day. How are you doing today? I'm good. I appreciate you making, making an exception for me. Uh, busy, good stuff, season preview stuff, way too many words. I'm ugh, I, my poor editors, man. <laughs> you said it yourself. You're one of the busiest men in the industry. People think you're merely the guy that breaks the news. But tell us all that your job entails and how hectic an MLS offseason can be with transfers, previews, season prep, and then finding the time to hop on podcasts with little guys like me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely really busy and particularly like people, um, I, I shouldn't be unfair. So if, if people think that like reporting news or getting scoops is just getting one text saying that, hey, Paul Ariel is traded, it's done, it's been agreed. That's that's 1% of what goes into it. Like I can just tell you the Paul Ariel stuff. I was... A lot, a lot, a lot of phone calls to a lot, a lot, a lot of different people, updates, false starts, all this stuff. So like when it comes to just reporting stuff like this time of year, it's like you're getting phone calls of random things. You you're you could be chasing things for hours that, you know, never turn into a scoop or, or like something that, you know, never you can't, can't get it confirmed or something that does, ends up just not happening. Like there's a couple of signings that I even wrote out as far as like sources say deals done and then they didn't get done. Like. The, the a public one was the Darren Machis one with Charlotte and that like, yeah, and that was like when I, when I was getting the, like the last call, I was like, all right, cool. Like you're telling me that like, good to go, like deals all done. And I was like, well, actually <laughs> deal fell through. So like, it's, it helps to be um, thorough and productive. So you don't get shit wrong, but being thorough and it, it, it there's a lot that go into that, you know, one 200 character tweet uh, is a lot of phone calls and a lot of time. Looking back, from your perspective now, a couple of years ago, did you ever think that you would be the guy for MLS breaking this news and hunting down the possible transfers and making these phone calls to find out if the deals are done? You can be ambitious and, and, and say that like, I'm something that, you know, I wanted to do I, what I have said, I guess how quickly that I've gotten here. Absolutely not. And I guess just even in general with a healthy dose of self-hatred and, and self-doubt, I'd, I'd probably say no, uh, just because of all the, the wonderful reporters that, that are still doing fantastic things. But yeah, like that's what that's that's what's funny. I'm glad that you pointed out like that too, because like I frame it to myself of like I feel overwhelmed or like too busy or I'm on my phone too much. Insert anything that like I'm like complaining about being tired. I'm like, dude, like 
if if you from three and a half years ago could show up right now, he'd slap you in the face. Like, quit your complaining. This is literally like what you want. Like, so like I have to put it in perspective that there sometimes. All right. So let's get into some of the transfer news. As I mentioned earlier, there was an upwards of 70 entry MLS trades in this offseason window, four of which are 70. among them. 70, 70 plus. When I counted the other day, it was 73. And four of Ooh. those are among the most expensive in league yeah. history, including, like you said, the Paul Areola to FC Dallas thing for two mil. Why do you think intra MLS trade prices have gotten so high? And what do you think this trend means for the league? Oh my God. So the first question, starting it off with gam inflation and, and, and this stuff. I absolutely love it. Wham, gam, pam. Thank you, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, no. Um, Paul Sonorio did a thread on this at one point while he was still on, on um, uh, parental leave, which is or paternal leave. Sorry. Which is funny that like the only thing that could drag him away from his kid and parenting was let me, let me fire off six tweets about gam inflation. So I absolutely love that. But uh, to kind of to get piggyback off, off what Paul was saying, like there is, inflation of gam right now and and that's for numerous reasons there have been what seven expansion teams over the last however many years like expansion teams get more gam as a little push to help them you know get started so there's more gam in the market just because of that and with the rules of if you transfer a homegrown you get a lot of gam and now if you just transfer anybody you get up to i think 1.05 million in gam and just look at how the league has has changed in terms of outbound transfers over the last two or three years even just that like Dallas got 1 million gam for like five different trades. Like I was talking to folks like at the club when I forget, I was saying that like, I knew that Charlotte wanted Paul Ariola really badly. And I figured because that they're the expansion club and they have all of this extra gam that if they want them, they can outbid anybody and they're just gonna. And like, I remember I was talking to somebody in Dallas about this, like this week. And I was like, I'm surprised that you guys did it. And, and he's like, like Tom, like we have so much gam. <laughs> like, like we're like, we had like that enough, like, it's it's not like it's not necessarily that like th there was a point where like Charlotte just reached out like all right we don't believe like this is the value for for this player but like it's not like Dallas had to like bring Gam forward from another year or like dip into like some deep like oh my god like this might cost us in the future like they had from Reggie Cannon Brian Reynolds Ricardo Pepe Tanner Tessman like just right there that's like five million Gam and like there's the league is very secretive about who has who but I think that's when it really put it into perspective. And like the Red Bulls with Lewis Morgan at 1.2 gam, uh, 1.2 million gam. I thought that was a, a lot off when that happened. I, I like Lewis Morgan as a player, but I was like, wow, like that's more than like Walker Zimmerman was like, and then as more and more trades happen this offseason, it's like, oh, that was just the first sign of teams are re recognized that there's so much gam in the market slash like teams have so much gam that like that was a fair price. It wasn't like a, a crazy overpay. So it's not that the player's value is increasing. It's just there's more money in the market is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and, and, and the other side of that too is that teams have seen what Colorado, Nashville, Montreal have done in terms of acquiring players from within the league. And like, I mean, not to be unnecessarily mean to FC Cincinnati because I, I don't mean to take shots. There's just a fact. I, mean, I wrote something and it pretty much was just like, take out FC Cincinnati's traits. Because it's not like it might be unfair to skew the pool here, but they're literally the only team that, that got it wrong when it came to big money trades since like the Tam era, when it came to like just gam, like I think what the, the last bad one was probably Dom Dwyer. Uh, it was, it was quiet for a couple of years and then take away what FC Cincinnati did. It's like every single team that's made a big uh, in, interleague trade has been worth it. The Walker Zimmerman twice, Anibal Godoy, um, everybody that Montreal has gotten and Georgia Mahai, which Mason toy, like, all of these guys, the success rate is so high that teams are like, oh, like that's a really, I guess, viable way to acquire proven talent within the league. And maybe we thought that 750000 for Brad Smith was too much 
two years ago, but okay, like that's a, that's a correct market. And that's probably a better bet than going and trying to sign a left back from somewhere else where we have to factor in acquisition costs into the salary cap to add them to our roster. Yeah, I think signing these guys that are already proven seasoned vets in MLS is kind of a, a safety blanket for a lot of guys, and especially new coaches around the league. Steve Cherundolo mm. just came into LAFC, and he's already signed seven guys from within the league, just to name a few, Escobar, Tajori Shradi, Ilya Sanchez, Acosta, yeah. Capo, McCarthy, Hollingshead. Like, he knows what he's getting with those guys. It's not much of a risk. And, and the, the, the biggest thing that like, that's the one team that I think is like manifest what, what I've been talking about here is that like, look at like, obviously they built, they, they recognize MLS experience in their expansion. So LFC 1.0 to up, up through that 2019 team, when they set a new league record for points, they, they, again, they had a number of players who were from the league from 2019 until this off season. It was the other way around. They traded away Mark Anthony K. They traded away Walker Zimmerman. They didn't re-sign Benny Failhaber. They traded away Tyler Miller. And then you look at the replacements. Tenneth Vermeer was awful. Um, Eddie Segura has been good, uh, but he got hurt. Um, uh, Jesus Murillo is good. But again, like none of them are as good as Walker Zimmerman is. And then you look at center midfield, uh, central midfield. Jose Cifuentes is the only one who, who's like really worked out. Like Francisco Janela hasn't been it. Like Diego Palacios has had good moments, but he hasn't you know, quite been it. And then you look what they're doing this offseason. It's like clear, a clear, stark change that they went from, okay, like maybe that these players are talented that we're scouting and we still are going to continue to sign international talent. But also, let's go heavily in on the like, intra-MLS market to sign uh, some of these guys. And, and again, like Max Crapo, the, the difference between – and the same thing for Cincinnati getting Al Khan. If Al Khan is just average, it's going to be like the biggest swing in terms of upgrade. For the same thing with LFC, like since Tyler Miller left, it's been – it's been atrocious. Like, I mean, I thought Jamal Blackman was fine, but that was only like 10 or 12 games. Like going from what they had to Maxime Crepeau is such an incredible shift. And even though that costs a million gam, and I'm, I'm sure that they're going to sign him to a new contract if they haven't already, like you can't really replicate that on the international market for somebody who's such a good player. And so, and, and so I guess, again, proven, there is no questions about how is he going to be an MLS. So of the intra-MLS trades, which players do you think will make the biggest impact for their new clubs? You mentioned Crepeau. Yeah, so Crepeau would, would be an easy one just because that, that position also, you don't have to worry about how, how is he going to fit in. He's going he's gonna to make saves. Like, there's, no, there's no really like play style in terms of, uh, of to lean into. Um, Kellen Acosta, like sticking with this team, like I'm curious to see if they're going to play him as a six or an eight. So um, I, I think he'll, he'll be great at either one, but I'm um, just, I guess with the national team, a kind of view at that, like I'm, I'd like to see him run at six, but like, even if, if they play him at eight, he's like I said, he's going to be plenty fine. I'm a huge par Areola fan. Like I think that he's gotten an unfair rub. Maybe it's just like, it's like some of those guys that are with the national team who like, yeah, not everybody is going to play for Chelsea or, or Bruce Dortmund, like Reina and, and Pulisic. That doesn't mean that, Paul Ariel and Jordan Morris aren't really good and valuable players. And particularly when it comes to MLS, like, I don't know. I just think that it, 2 million is, is admittedly a lot for Paul Ariel, but just where the market was that ended up being a fair price. But like, he's just a player that you can rely on. Like maybe he won't have 30 goals plus assists, but like if you're Dallas, like look at kind of their recruitment in, in past years, it's not been, like that. that's what's held them back. Like Frank O'Hara, like that, that helped to give Ricardo Pepe a chance, but like, like Dallas going out and getting Paul Areola is like, again, he's not probably not going to be best XI, but like, I think he's an all-star caliber player. He's not going to be a DP for them, which is, which is really valuable. Like, I don't know. He's just somebody that, that I like a lot. And I think that he really raises their floor and really raises their baseline. 
What do you think about Lewis Morgan? So when the deal first dropped, I believe you came out and said that you think that he's probably didn't like it at first. You didn't like it at first, but you because, saw because, him as a wingback, correct? Well, yeah. Okay. So that, that was my first incorrect assumption. And I thought that the Red Bulls were playing, going to go back to like the three, four, two, one, or however you want to phrase it. And I was like, well, he's not a center forward. So he kind of has to be a wingback. And like Tom Edwards, they didn't know if he was coming back. And then I talked to people at the club and, and in his camp, they're like, no, like, I mean, they know he can play. We know he can play there, but like the view is that we're going to play him in an attacking spot. And I was like, all right, that makes more sense. But also he's still not a, like a forward, but like more and more that like I've been hearing out of Red Bulls camps as the signings they made, they'll be playing a four, three, three or something like it in, in a high press. And that suits him really well. And again, like the price I thought was a lot at first, but this was, it was the first, it was in that half day trade window, I believe this was the first big trade. And like, if you put it in context with Kellen Acosta for up to 1.5 million, Paul Ariola for 2 million, uh, Crepo, um, who else? Alistair Johnson for 1 million. Like, I, you take a step back. All right. Like, that's not an overpay. Brad Smith for seven, 750K. It's another player that I like. And like, that's comparable. And again, if you're playing Lewis Morgan as a winger, then the tax goes up. He's under contract for three or four years. So that probably played into it. And I'm, and I do know that there was a very big market in terms of teams trying to acquire Lewis Morgan. So, I'm sure that the interest helped drive up the price, but yeah, I'm glad that you bring that up. I didn't like it at first as in terms of like cost and value, but the way that the, the league has more deals have come again, that, that was just, that wasn't a blip. That was a sign that a trend was changing. And without that context, I thought it was an overpay. And now like, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know if I would have paid as much as that, but it's not an unfair price. It's, it's definitely like aligned with his value. Agreed. Let's go back to Kellen Acosta really quick. So LAFC has, had a bunch of turnover in the midfield. Mark Anthony K gone, Atuesta gone, Bryce Duke now with Miami and Raheem Edwards with just right across town to the LA Galaxy. What, from an insider's perspective, happened with the Kellen Acosta trade to LAFC? Because right after it was released yeah. on social media, he came out and said, well, you know, I had some interest from Europe. And what happened? Um, from what I heard, and uh, Porig Smith has put his name on this to and like press conference, and he was – it seemed like he was trying to be delicate because like the club really do love Kellen Acosta. And like, particularly I think poor, again, I think he said this in, in a press conference too. Like it's not just him as a person, him as a player and, and what he's done. It's like, it, it's even more for us. And he was our, when we said, this is the rapids way, this is how we're, we're going to target. And, and this is how we're going to build a club. He was the first trade. And for him to be here and like when they were really bad and then help be like a, an absolute central figure to them, first place in the West before he left, like completing that cycle again, like he was the first move of this that before Jonathan Lewis, Austin trustee and everybody else who came. So like they have like good, a good reverence of him and they're trying, they were trying really hard to tiptoe the, we, we were not going to get in a, a war of words with Cowan because we still love Cowan, but like we didn't have any offers. The only offer that, that they had that was officially on the table and look, we can, quibble with that maybe his agent either thought or had something that he could have brought to the club because his agent was sanctioned by the rapids so okay like if, if you can bring us a deal like feel free to to shop him around and and um if something's agreeable then we'd be we'd, we'd have a conversation they declined a bid from reading in the championship in 2019 i believe or 2018 in january this was when dallas still had a 50 percent sell-on in count Costa, which as of, i've put on twitter that that gives zero inclination for the team who has a player. If they're only getting 50% of the fee, it makes it really difficult because Reading, like it, it might not make sense for the Rapids to accept something, but like, it doesn't make sense for 
Reading to pay over the odds just because the Rapids are only getting half of it. So when that clause expired, I expected him to go. But with the pandemic still affecting the market, like it really hurts these kind of like lower or middling kind of deals, like ones that would be in the three to six, seven million range or, or whatever it'd be. The only thing that I heard, and it wasn't an official offer, the only thing that hasn't been reported is that I heard a club over the summer in Europe, I don't know where, offer to take Kellen Acosta on a free loan with no loan fee. The Rapids had to pay some of his salary and there was an, an, like a, a purchase option that like, it wasn't a trigger option. So it's like the people I talked to in Colorado was like, this team, like they thought that we were going to be okay with you take one of our best players and we'll still pay for it. Like for there's free. no and, incentive there. Yeah. And again, like, and, and we'll quibble like that. They never actually made that offer because it was really clear that that was never going to be accepted. But again, like Porter Smith has had said on the record that there was no, there was no official offer that came like this month. So it's, it's um, they, I know I'm long-winded here because I have a lot of information behind this. This is one of the ones that I broke. Um, there, they, Cowan has a player option, a club option for next season. So he's under team control for another two years. That option kicks up to around the max TAM, like 1.6-ish, if he makes a World Cup roster, which, on barring an injury, he's, uh, he's pretty much a shoe in to make that roster. They wanted to get into they, – they were in contract negotiations, and I don't know – which side either wasn't bending or whatever, but they, they never got close on a new contract. And again, this might, this might've been Cowan saying that I, I want to go to Europe. So I'm, I'm not going to extend my contract. And again, that's just conjecture. I don't know that for sure. Or maybe it was Colorado not making a good enough offer, whatever it is, they got to the point where, okay, there's less. Now we're getting to two years left. We, if we, if we can't, we want to resign them for something that would make sense. We can't. So open to offers and a bunch of teams, the revs, the, the revs thought they, they had him. The, like this was after Sebastian Legette. It would have been him and Legette. The revs thought they had him. Um, but the Rapids ultimately said, you know, I think we can get more for him. And it was, I forget what the number was, but it definitely wasn't 1.5, 1.1 and up to 1.5. So again, like there was interest of plenty around the league. Um, I was surprised that there wasn't a bigger market for him in Europe, to be honest. And, and obviously I don't have the full story. Maybe there were more teams that are interested and maybe there were more teams thinking like, we'll cycle through our other options and get back to it at the end of the month, whatever it is. So as so I, I'm, it's, I'm not up here trying to say that Kellen was saying something that was either incorrect or misleading. Like, it's just, as far as the information I have, it's not like there was a comparable offer on the table from Europe that they just declined. Yeah. A couple more Sean Davis to Nashville. What do you think about that one? I love Especially that. with Dax McCarty getting older and Godoy being possibly away for World Cup qualifiers. I love that. This is the crux of, of a player who, who, I, who I think Sean Davis is, is very good, probably undervalued or underappreciated around the league just in terms of, you know, maybe you don't, you don't really always recognize him and, and what he's doing. Uh, but like in terms of on, like, and, and just because he's a good person, like I don't want to focus all on that because he's first and foremost a very good player and he's going to be very useful phenomenal locker room guy. I've not heard a single bad thing about him. Like everybody at the Red Bulls loved him. Um, he loved the club, obviously his boyhood club. Um, and it was, he was a great fit at the Red Bulls in terms of, of the high pressing ethos. He's somebody who could kind of pass and destroy in central midfield and cover a ton of ground, like an incredible work rate. I love this because there are like, like he would have been fine anywhere, but like this is like Nashville, I think is one of the teams that just really suit him. Well, like it was like a perfect marriage of Nashville had the, the room to go chase him. And like he was a free agent and like um, Nashville, the, the first minutes they could, they had a plane, a GM Mike Jacobs and, and owner John Ingram flew to New Jersey in John Ingram's private jet 
picked up Sean Davis and Sean Davis's girlfriend, like immediately as free. This is like NBA free agency stuff. Brought him down to Nashville. They went to a Predators game. They had dinner, all this. And it was like, it more than just, hey, we're going to do something cool. It was like, we want to be there the first minute that free agency. Like, we want to see you see us. We could, we're meeting with, uh, we wouldn't be meeting with other free agents. We're meeting with you. Like, we value, and if you should sign here because all these reasons on and off the field. So he was really, he had his head turned by that. He really appreciated that. And again, like you said, with Dax uh, turning 35 in like May, Anna Balgadoy, who's somebody who's had a little injury history, like not too much in Nashville. He's getting up there. He'll be with Panama a bunch. Like to have, to only be able to start two of Dax McCarty, Anna Balgadoy, and Sean Davis is like embarrassment of, of depth and riches. So like, I really love that move. Yeah. And they go out West this year for the, for the first season. And yeah. A <laughs> lot of travel. So there's, they're going to need that roster rotation a little bit. Last one, one that you haven't talked about. I'm a little surprised. Guy we saw last night for the first for his debut with the Sounders, Albert Rusnak. Yeah, man, it still feels weird seeing him in green. Like he's gonna be just so good there. Like I mean, I I was I just figured that RSL were gonna figure it out and re-sign him because I know that he still loves the club. The club still wanted him. I guess it was difficult without ownership. And then I mean, but if, if you're him, like you, you, it's pretty easy to understand why Seattle would turn your head. They've never missed the playoffs. They're you know playing this big market and in, in, in front of however many hundred. Uh, tens of thousands of fans every single week. It's a team with success. It's a team with great players. Like, again, like now that they're switching back to the 4-2-3-1 that they had done under Brian Schmetzer the entire time, except for last year. Like, Ladero, Rusnak, and Jordan Morris underneath Raul Ruiz Diaz with then Christian Roldan and Zhao Pao in the midfield is, is just phenomenal. Like, this is, people have called it, like, probably the, like, maybe the biggest, like, free agent signing in MLS history. Like, I don't know off the top of my head, but, like, it's certainly up there. Like, a 27-year-old DP who had, like, 80 goal contributions in 110 appearances in MLS. Like that player at 27 years old is not av available via free agency ever. Yeah. 11 goals, 11 assists last year. So he adds 22 goals to a team <laughs> that was already third in the supporter shield race. Yeah. Then you get Jordan Morris and Nico Ladero back. Like that's, that's scary. They weren't no. incredibly overwhelming last night in CCL, but it's, it's no. still kind of preseason football for them, you know? Yeah. That was, that one uh, was a bit of a snoozer in terms of, uh, of, of Seattle, but like you said, like it's, that this particularly the first round the round of 16 it's so tough to judge these teams because it really is like a preseason game and like you look at like montreal like they got to the 80th minute or 85th minute without conceding in the altitude at a league at team like just that in of itself it was like a super like cool thing like again given where they are in like any other team in, in this level of preseason first game is at altitude at a league at team again when you're still in preseason mode it's just really tough Tom, I could talk to you all day, man. And I know we got to keep it moving, but you said Montreal. So I got to bring up Georgie Mihailovic real quick. I know in the off season, he went and trained with, was it Bologna? Yeah. However you say it, Bologna, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there any interest for him in a permanent deal over in Europe? And have, I mean, I know you're kind of a USMNT insider as well. Is there any conversations between him and Greg? I mean, he was, I, I heard a lot of good things about how he performed at the January camp. Um, I think I wrote this recently that, if there's going to be a change in, in the midfield group, like I think that he's, uh, that he's got to be the next up. Like if, if they'd either decide to like, again, this is for whatever the, one of the last, the, the last roster spots on the depth chart at center mid. But again, that's how Luca Delatore got in and got to start and pretty much booked his flight to the next camp just off of that one game against Honduras. But yeah, like they're definitely on the radar. It's definitely has impressed the coaching staff. Actually, to be fair, I should take that back. Like, I'm not entirely sure if they see him as a left winger or, or a central midfielder. So I guess that, that that's fluid. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's somebody who's like, we, like, our pool is like 
really deep right now. Like, honestly, like there are a lot of guys who you'd say are, are like deserving for a call up and he's definitely one of them. And he's definitely somebody who's on the bubble. Like, um, so that, that's definitely something that I'm going to be looking for. And with this next window with the roster, and then in terms of Europe, like I, I didn't hear like a ton. Like I, I heard that like the Bologna stint like went well, um, but it, it really was really like, I mean, training trial, you can call it whatever you want, but like it, 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 the expectation wasn't for him to sign there, but it was definitely a good experience for him, a good experience for Bologna. And like, maybe if that's the kind of thing that if a center mid or two got injured in, in January, like he probably would have been around the top of the list. Like, like that's, that's kind of how these things work. You, you, you perform better than expected, or you go into a, again, a training stint and you treat it like a trial and maybe something comes out of it. Um, I'm curious to see how this all develops for him, but you know, for right now he got, he got the new contract. He got, I believe he got a new contract. Uh, anyway, got paid, whatever it is, he's, he's in a good spot and he's got plenty of career ahead of him. So again, it's not, not like it's over for him, but like, obviously not over him in terms of going to Europe, but like, I don't, I don't get the sense that there's necessarily a rush right now. Yeah. So the player kids movement has been huge over the last few seasons, but never has there been a homegrown player to go on to sign a DP contract until now FC Dallas, who has been a front runner in developing, playing and selling young players just made Jesus Ferreira, the first ever homegrown to sign as a DP before Ferreira signed this deal. You're the expert on this. Was there any concrete European interest? What are your thoughts on this signing in particular? And do you think this could be a trend to watch for MLS teams going forward? Uh, in terms of Jesus in Europe, yeah, he's, he's definitely on, on radars. Um, I Again, the, these things obviously change, change a bunch. The last, I believe I asked around on this, it was bef- well before his contract. It was, it was around like 22 under 22 stuff. Um, and like there were, there were some clubs and there was some concrete interest, but like I didn't hear anything about bids or or something that came too advanced and again this is not to say that that hadn't happened but there's just nothing that that I had heard I love it I love like Josie Alzador was on extra time with Andrew Weaving and he was talking about it like he was saying he's like I like I want to see these kids get paid like I like I'm like for anybody who wants to go to Europe like I tell them like do it you know chase your dream but also like I want to see these MLS clubs pay up for like and like recognize this talent and like if you're Jesus Ferreira this is perfect man like you you get the bag now you're gonna be you know, viewed as, as, you know, you're compensated fairly rather than being, you know, underpaid as like a homegrown contract, uh, like any like outperforming his deal. So it's really cool to see the D- Dallas recognize it. And this is unprecedented. So they could have been in negotiations like, all right, that's unreasonable. Like, this, like we're not going to agree to that. It's like, no, like, yeah, we believe in him and we're going to make him a DP. And then, so he's going to have that responsibility. He's going to have, and like they paid Pax and Pomichol, um, you know, Ricardo Pepe got a contract before he got transferred. Reggie Cannon got a contract before he got transferred. Brian Reynolds got a contract before he got transferred. Like, these are all wonderful things. And, like, just showing another pathway of, okay, like, not everybody goes to the, the Bundesliga when they're 18, like Ricardo Pepe. Not everybody goes to Red Bull Salzburg. Like, not everybody makes best sex last sex like Brendan Aronson and then goes to Red Bull Salzburg. This is another path. And, like, you're going to be a star here. You're going to get paid. And then maybe in three years, two years, whenever it is, maybe an offer comes, we still won't stand in your way. But right now you're going to get paid. Speaking of the player kids movement, who are some of the young players around the league that could be due for big minutes in a breakout year? John Tolkien doesn't count as a breakout as he broke out last year, but I'm really high on him and his ability. I think that I think that there's another level to hit. And like he, again, he was mostly the starter last year. They found ways to get him and Andrew Gruden on the field together. But like, this is 100%. He's going to start 34 games if he's able to, you know, or like 30 games. So I'm really looking forward to him. Like, it's just sticking with the Red Bulls. Like, depends on like central midfield chart breaks out. But without Sean Davis and they haven't added like a deeper midfielder, like 
Frankie Meyer should get a chance to play deeper in the midfield, or maybe Daniel Edelman, a homegrown. I believe he's 18. He's a USU 20. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, there are a couple other guys that I definitely have at the top of my head that, that are uh, escaping me at the moment. Uh, Brian Gutierrez in, in Chicago, somebody who's turned heads. Uh, Tavon Gray at NYCFC. Uh, he obviously, yeah, breakouts, again, is probably something that already happened given that he started MLS Cup and, and they won and he was starting that, that playoff run. But again, like looking to him to play a full season is something I'm super excited about. What about Aiden Morris? Oh my God, yeah, of course. Like he's somebody who's, it's, it's easy for us to forget. Like this was the kid that go, even going into preseason last year, we were all excited about because he just broke out with the MLS cup. Fantastic performance. Like he replaced Darlington Nagby, somebody who's borderline irreplaceable, like at 18 years old, when a lot of us even like, cause he, I think he played like maybe two, maybe two or three starts that entire season. If that, like he's somebody who was like so far off the radar that like, it was, it was really cool to watch him step up in that moment. And then so incredibly unfortunate that, in the first CCL game um, in 2021, he, he uh, tore his ACL and was out for the season. That was the first big injury for Columbus. Like, again, our tour got hurt. He would have played so much last year, and it would have been so great. Like, it's so unfortunate. Like, I don't know. I'm super excited about him. I've heard a lot of good things about Will Sands, James Sands' twin brother, that they've converted to left back. And if Pedro Santos is your starting left back, like, Will Sands will probably get some opportunities <laughs> to prove that he can play there too. And, and obviously, Aiden Morse, I believe, is on the left back left back depth chart so again i'm looking forward to seeing how those things progress yeah i am too we're getting healthy <laughs> as you can see i'm a columbus crew fan yeah, yeah. Stuff all around. <laughs> so i'm excited to have aiden morris back our tour back and a guy mm -hmm. that's getting some minutes in preseason is sean zawadzki out of georgetown the homegrown yeah so i'm excited to see and he's started two of the carolina challenge cup matches so i'm excited to see that but we're like we said there's eight days before MLS gets going seven days until roster compliance day. Mm. Are any teams looking to bring in any more high, high profile players before the season starts or players yeah, so, that I mean, make a difference? Like don't get compliance with the transfer window closed confused. Like the transfer window is open until May 4th or May 5th or whatever. So teams that are still working on things like Chicago with, with Jairo Torres, I don't know if they're going to like from the latest I've heard, that's really, really close. If not, if not already done, but you know, in terms of, it being announced and paperwork going through and visas. Like, I don't know if he'll, how, how quickly he'll be here or, or what, what the case is there, but like, that's one that that's currently one to watch. I know that Charlotte have a couple things in the air right now as, as they're kind of working on filling some key high level pieces. You know, they've been Dormachi like I said, kind of at the top fell through the poet. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, Camille Joswiak, Joswiak, something in that range plays for Derby, Derby County in England. They had a deal agreed for him, and because Darby are in a relegation battle, he played that weekend anyway, and he got a severe sprain on his ankle, and he's out for eight weeks. So that deal got tanked because of that, which is unfortunate. So, like, they they have been a little unlucky, and they, they're they definitely in the market for, for key signings. But with roster compliance, the one thing to watch for me is just when Miami makes an official announcement on Blaze Matuidi. I'm, like, 99% sure this is going to be a contract buyout, but maybe that they're trying to find a way to get him off the books without it being a buyout or hoping that he retires or something. I don't know. Whatever it is, that's something that has to be sorted by next Friday. All right, so let's get into some predictions and awards, and then we can get out of here. So heading so, into the 2021 season, LAFC and Columbus were among people's favorites to lift the trophy. Both failed to make the playoffs. Is there a incredible. team? Yeah, you're telling me. Is there a team that is receiving a lot of preseason hype that you think will just flub out and miss the playoffs? If so, who? I don't know, man. I don't I – don't, I don't think that there's really anybody because the teams that are getting love are like Seattle and like 
I can't possibly imagine a scenario in which they finish eighth. But again, I would have said this about LAFC and Columbus last year. So I'm trying to check that at the door. I don't know. I mean, I love Philly in the East. I mean, New England, maybe. I mean, not because I, I can't, again, I can't see the wheels falling off in a Bruce Arena, Bruce Arena led team with Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bell there, no matter what the whole season, like Turner's going to be gone in the summer and you're still, you're still getting a half season out of him. Um, and books is probably going to be gone in the summer. You're still getting a half season out of him. Plus you already signed Josie out the door. So like the teams that are getting love, like I think that they're all well-deserving. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, like Kansas city might be, might be a sneaky one just because what if Daniel Shalvey goes cold or what if Johnny, Johnny Russell isn't converting chances. And they both a lot had of huge on- years in 2021. Yeah. Like they, they, how many goals they contributed just goals. I think they, mm-hmm. they had like 30 and this doesn't even count their assists. Like, but like without Alan Polito, like if you don't get that, then like a lot's going to fall on Kyrie Sheldon and the Serbian player that uh, they just signed, who I'm blanking on his name, but uh, Peter Vermees already said that Shelton is the starting center forward right now. So w- w- again, whether, whichever one it is, like they need to get goals out of Daniel Shower and Gotti Kinda um, and Johnny Russell. And again, I still think that they're going to be very good. Like they always are. But I guess that's that's a team that like you can kind of see a path to that happening. What about Colorado? I really rate Robin Fraser, the head coach. And I was trying, I was in the phrase, I was like trying to cycle through the CCL teams, maybe, because there's always a surprise that comes out of that and, and in terms of injuries and, and things piling up. But like Colorado are so deep. Like they signed this Brazilian midfielder, Max Alves, who's like everything that I've seen of him and people I've talked to like love him. He's not a starter necessarily right now. Like he's not like Cole Bassett role where like he's probably deserving of a lot of minutes or we'll see, I guess, how he, how he gets on, but he's not there. Like Mikey Barrios didn't start last night. He's a starter in MLS. Like um, what's it? Who else? Like Brian Acosta, former DP didn't start last night. I don't know if he will or won't be the starter, but you just, they have so many options everywhere. Abubakar Kata, they traded for, for when Austin trustee leaves. Like these are all things that like, that was something that came to mind, I guess, without like, without like a, traditional like superstar or star player but like i just think that they're so deep and so well coached that like even if they pick up five or six injuries like they'll still have a respectable 11 to put out that playoff ready 11 all right we'll keep it moving best new kit we've seen a bunch of them come out this week what's your favorite uh i'm a soccer for light blue so i really do like charlotte's inaugural kit i know that wasn't a new one obviously portland's uh, uh thorns kit but i don't know if i don't know if you saw um the lafc one the black one with the little understated pattern and the central logo i really like that one too it's completely different from anything else we've seen when's the last i mean have we ever seen a central logo i thought i'm making a joke just because it's a black kit <laughs> <laughs> no but I really your, like let, let me I get like your it. take what, what, what's your favorite sir? so my favorite is montreal's that just came out today it's i like pretty- that one i don't like the gray shorts with it though man i wish no, they you gotta make blue. it blue gotta be blue I know, like, so like, I like, I'm trying not to like, cause I'm, I'm upset about that. So I think that's where they can. So what else? I like the top Montreal's top. It's yeah, an yeah. easy fix with the shorts. Just make them blue. Yeah. Like just appease yeah. everybody. It was here. like, it was like when, when DC United got bullied by uh, fan perception in a red shorts, like we need, we need to, we need to rise up and, and make them do blue shorts. Yeah. But I also liked Portland and LAFCs. Another one that dropped today, recency bias is Cincinnati. There was something about Cincinnati's kit, the, the orange and yeah just the texture of it with the, the Cincinnati, you know, it, it's I'll nice. Say I, I like that orange kit better than NYCFC's orange kit. I saw a tweet that came out last night right. and it was, it was a leak and said, Oh, look, we're going to be wearing uh, construction vests, but <laughs> these are, these are way better than construction vests. And, and then like, and, and it's funny, like Jonathan Tannerwald, I think said this on Twitter and like his like testimonial for it was, I don't hate it, 
and at least they tried something different. And that's where I'm at too, because I don't want to like dunk on like a kit that like maybe I'm not a fan of. Like I'm trying something is fine. So like it's unfortunate we've arrived at a place where like I'm not really a fan of that kit, but I'm saying like thank you for trying. Like it's not for me. Maybe somebody else likes it. Like I'm not gonna be out here and be like, oh, it's a nasty kit. I'm like, who cares? You tried. Like you did something different. I appreciate that. Yeah, my group chat with all my friends this week is just one person taking screenshots and sending the jerseys to everybody. And everybody's like, oh, these are trash. These are trash. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm cool Electric. with all I'm like, whatever. They're all fine. At least they're not white and black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At yeah. least we're getting away from the white away kits. But <laughs> Columbus's kit drops tomorrow. So that means I'll be dropping like $180 on a kit. So I'm excited for that. There you go. That's fun. All right. So we'll move on from the kits. Uh, who's your way too early pick to win MLS Cup? Oh. There's just so many things that can happen. Like you said, I'm glad you prepped it way too early, but I really do love the Philadelphia Union. Like if Mikhail Uhr is like a star level player, it doesn't even necessarily need to be best 11 caliber, but like if he's somewhere around that, like this team's phenomenal. Like they have best 11 caliber and goalkeeper, both center backs, left back and defensive mid. And now they have two new DP forwards. Like, oh, I'm super excited. And like Gazdog, I'm a really big fan of Gazdog. I thought he was fine last year. I think that he's like, he's got the Davis Goss theorem, like second season, like an MLS. I think that he's really due for like a, a jump. And if not, like Paxton Aronson is absolutely ready. From people I've talked to, Paxton Aronson is ready for starting a lot of games. And again, like it's unfair to like compare him and his brother, but everybody's going to like, again, scouts have told me when I, I broke his homegrown signing, when I was talking to people around then, like scouts have said like, look, like we also, we love Brendan and we're not making this a Brendan versus Paxton thing, but like Paxton is more advanced at this stage than Brendan was. And like they're different types of players. Like, even Brendan has said this. He's said Paxton's a little bit more technical than me, and I'm I'm a little bit kind of better at the like you know duels and like winning winning balls and and some other pressing stuff. But like I don't know, man. I'm I'm super excited to watch Paxton. So my very cold take is the Seattle Sounders <laughs> because of the not just yeah. because of the Albert Rusnak signing, but because of what they're getting back from injury. But my my very very hot take is the Vancouver Whitecaps under Vanny Sartini. I love I love them. I don't I wouldn't go. Mm. That is a tough Brian one. White, Christian Dahomey, Ryan Gold, dude, yeah, they, Ryan Tristan Gold. Blackman. They just got—I don't know—they're—I like them. Something about Vancouver. Been all over Vancouver since since Vanny took over as interim. Like, um, and I, like I've always been on the Brian White train, so I'm like really happy that like they super appreciate and super like value him. Obviously, by by signing him to a new contract, um, like a front three that's going to be Brian White, and then either Gold's either going to like mostly be a ten mm-hmm. or then it depends on what happens that with second striker because diver Caicedo is, is would be the, the starter at, at that, at the position. My dog brings a two toy over. Thanks, bud. Um, the, he'd be the starter, but I've heard a lot of great things about Pedro V and the best way for them to play Pedro V and Ryan gold together is Ryan gold as a second striker. So there's going to be a lot of times where it's white gold and V and like, I'm super excited to see that beats only 20 or 19, whatever he is like. So maybe it's unfair to think like MLS cup ready, but like, I really love the white caps. I'm excited for them as well. All right. So let's opposite from MLS cup wooden spoon. Uh, it's okay to say FC Cincinnati. I promise. Dude. Like I'm trying not like I've been trying not, not, not to net like for no reason, but like I assume that there's going to be a defensive mid signed, but I've been saying that since Chris Albright got the job. So like, <laughs> as of right now, Harris Majunian is a starting defensive mid. That is a wooden spoon. Like the, the central midfield is, is, is him. Yuya Kubo who was signed as a DP forward and Alan Cruz. Like, that's just not good enough. That's going to be so easy to play through. So, I don't know. I think that they're going to address it. 
but I think it'd be unfair for me to say that just assume that they're going to make a great signing and then they're going to be okay. Like just based on what they have right now. And what happens if Jeff Cameron looks like a 36 year old, like there's, there's a lot of reasons to worry about that, about that team. Um, I don't know. I, I know that a lot of the, the sexy pick for wooden spoon is Charlotte, but nobody was saying that until Doran Machis fell through. And like, was, was he supposed to take you from instead of being a ninth place team to a 14th place? Like, I don't know. I don't think that they're, I think they'll be closer to the spoon than they will the playoffs, but I don't know. I'm not as necessarily worried. Like I'm worried about them, but, it, but just because Matisse fell through, it wasn't like a new thing for me. Like, I don't know. You wouldn't say that Charlotte is screwed. Like their coach did. <laughs> um, it depends on what, and what his expectations are. Obviously everybody yeah. wants to make the playoffs and do well, but I don't know. I, I still like what they've done. Like Jordi Alcobar, that central midfield group is still so nice to me. Alan Franco, Jordi Alcobar, and Sergio Ruiz. I like that a lot. I don't love, Possibly Jordi Reyna being the starting winger, but again, they had multiple deals that fell through that would have made him a rotation player, which is which is, would be more strong and more suitable. Look, if Carol Swiderski, it, he's a post national team striker. If he, if he hits the ground running, they'll be okay at, at least. Like they should be competitive. Like I've heard a lot of good things about Gore, uh, Gorman Carujo. No, uh, why am I feeling his first name? The Carujo, their center back Uruguayan. I've heard a lot of good things about him. So again, like I still think that they could have done could have a trade of Paul Ariola. I don't know. Like I, they shouldn't have been outbid by Dallas. And I still think that maybe they should have gotten like you, 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 you can't, you can't just sign every Walker Zimmerman or hope to, but they sh- probably should have put more money like Tristan Blackman. I don't know why they let him go in the expansion draft. They should have just kept him like to Jory Shradi. Like I feel like that they don't need any more allocation money. Like these are things like they could use some of these players, but again, I, I don't, I don't know if I'd put them as spoon favorites at the moment. I'm going FCC, but I'll digress. Let's go to go- Golden Boot. Yeah. Oh, man. There's just so many players that I like here, man. Like, it's just. I'll throw you a she- Christian Arango. I like him, but, like, it's. If, if Vela's playing a lot, like, they'll we'll score a lot of goals. But, like, I think that the two of them would kind of eat at each other's stats. You know what I mean? I, I usually like Golden Boot. Like, you know, Mikhail Orr and, like. I wish that he was here. Like, he's still not here. They signed him four weeks ago, and he's still not in the country, which is un- so unfortunate for Philly. But, like, that's unfair to expect somebody to come in like that. Like, Chicharito has too much of a hit injury history. Like, I'm just throwing out all these names so I don't have to actually make a pick, by the way. Like, So your pick, is, your pick is Giassi Zardes, is what you're telling me. <laughs> People have talked about, like, Miguel Berry. Like, they should trade yes. Giassi for Miguel Berry. I was like, why don't you just uh, no, do both? Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? Um, but, like, Taddy, like, because uh, Adam Butsu would be two that I – Obviously, would be in the contention, but I'm assuming that both are absolutely gone in the summer, so they're not up for it. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. As just these are kind of the names I'm, I'm throwing out there. There's like, uh, Golden Boot is one of the like low key favorite things that I love to kind of watch. Like last year was super fun that it came came down to it, like at the end. So I don't know, man. There's maybe there's a world where Jared Anchikiri does a does does what Bella did from the wing a couple years ago. And that uh, would so be. That would be incredible. Not 34 goals, but at least in, in the boot chase. Like, last year, 19 goals, like, was was Taddy. Like, there's a world where Shakiri scores 20 goals. Yeah. And I'm sorry we didn't get the Shakiri and Insigne and Douglas Costa. Like, there's just too much going on. All right, we got two more for you. Super draft player of the year. Oh, this always comes down to opportunity as well. Like, I really love Kip Keller, but I don't know if he's going to play enough um, just this year, at least, for, for Austin. Like, I, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna stick with with Kip Keller because I think that they're one injury slash one like what the hell are you doing, uh, Romania? Let's give Keller a chance, kind of thing, or Gabrielson. So uh, I'll stick with Kip Keller. That's probably the smart pick. I'm gonna 
go back to Vancouver, a guy that I had the pleasure of interviewing a couple of weeks ago, Gio Aguilar, who actually still has yeah. not signed his contract, but he scored in two straight games, both goals being game winners. Nice. So I, I think he has some promise in him. He kind of yeah. got overlooked at uh, Off the Cal, Cal like State, uh, Northridge. So Vanny Sartini, Vancouver Whitecaps, if you're listening, just sign the freaking guy, okay? He's been proven, <laughs> okay? All right. Last but not least, I catered this one specifically to you, the Tom Boker Hair and Facial Hair Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. So I love a tight fade. I have to, I want to put that out there. But there, and there are so many players that, that always have, have a nice, fresh fade. Like Paul Riola is one that comes to mind. I don't know. Insert any attacker here. Like, just, just don't, don't, not overlooking a good old fade. John Token, when he goes blonde, blonde um, mullet, there's, there's a few things that things you know there's a lot of booboo cars obviously always got to be here ties magno i do like do like the the curly the curly flow so these are just kind of a, kind of a few that come at the top of my head and obviously sasha collection gets a lifetime achievement award for the mustache like that's he's the king there so that like that goes without saying obviously i have nothing to say because that was your award i, I let you give that one <laughs> <laughs> i do have one more time then we're getting out of here yeah, i yeah. promise comeback player of the year hmm. that's a tough one to kind of tip at this stage of the year you need to like kind of like the narratives kind of play themselves out. Like mm-hmm. Aiden Moore, like I don't, I don't know. Like Aiden Morris is one that like given the criteria, like he's somebody who has a chance. Like I don't love giving it to guys who just had like an injury or whatever, or like Chichito from like he was just bad in 2020, and then he got like Carlos Hill got it. Carlos Hill was back for the playoffs in 2020. How could he be comeback player of the year in 2021? He already won MVP. Why would you waste your vote anyway? I digress. But like this one is, is a tough one. I don't tend to go with where the voters go because I interpret this differently. So it it's something that I can't really tip ahead of the season because you don't just look at somebody who like had an injury last year. And so again, but it, like Aiden Morris is probably somebody, I guess that I could say at the top of my head, but it will have to see kind of where the narratives shake out here. Yeah. Obviously my favorite to win this award is Aiden Morris, but somebody that I'd like to give a little shout out to is Eric Williamson, a guy that was in the USMNT yeah. uh, kind of their, yeah. their outlook and it, Unfortunately, he went down with an injury last year, yeah. and if he does come back and he's healthy, I think he will get minutes for the Portland Timbers, and he could be, he could play a really big role for them. Agreed. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, uh, I know you got another podcast to get to, and you got a date night tonight, man. So I got to yeah. get you off this call. <laughs> All right, my man. Thanks for having me as always. All right, Tom. Thanks for hopping on. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 7, featuring MLS's own Tom Bogert. MLS is back in eight days. Hopefully this episode caught you up on all the transfer news around the league. Until next time, take care of yourselves and one another. Peace.